You're listening to Let's Talk Purpose Live, because who you are is important to what you do and where you are going. And now for your host, Lisa Schwartz. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, VP Daddy. How Good are you morning. this morning? I'm amazing this morning. So we're back for part two. Let's do it. Of an incredible topic. Of how to parent with the Holy Spirit. So we had a lot of really good feed feedback. Here I go. Last time, last week, I said something about potty trying to start a watch potty. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, if you're just joining us today, if you would click like, uh, share this on your show. We want to uh, make sure everybody's invited to be a part of this topic on how to parent with the Holy Spirit. I know we have some questions from last week. Um, to address, but really more than anything, we want to address your questions. So if you have parenting questions this morning, go ahead and try and stump us. (laughs) You can probably stump me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But really, that's what we want to do is we really want to answer practical questions. I mean, I have things I could talk about in regard to parenting, but this show is really about how do we take information and make it relevant in our home and as parents. So we really want to make sure um, that is practical. So I'm going to let uh, Brittany read about our sponsors this morning. So we have two sponsors who are sponsoring our talk show. So we're excited to have them. Um, while you do that, I'm going to do all the things okay. on my computer. All right. Well, we thank you to Express Employment Professionals. We got a, they're a staffing company that does that. their best. Oh, look at that! <laughs> what a producer! Look, we've got you logos on and everything. It. <laughs> Okay, Express Employment Professionals is a staffing company that does their best to bring hope to our communities. They strive hard to find people job opportunities and will work with any company given the chance. You can find their number and address. Um, You can Google it. We've also got an office phone of 817-487-4900. Right there on the screen. there it is. My good friend, Sonia Southard, if you're with us this morning, give us a wave. Give us a hello. She's the owner of Express Employment Professionals. I'm trying to get everything adjusted here. I I feel like I'm... You know, I'm like yeah. moving things around. Yeah, we came in kind of hot. Yeah, we did come in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the local lab, which is where we do our local the local legends. legend lab. Local legend. Is it one legend or how many legends do you have? Local legends. Oh, local plural. legends. Y'all are lab. all local legends. That's right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Uh, the local legends lab is getting pretty stacked on Wednesday. They have back to back talk shows, so which is great. But I do want it to be said that I feel like we were one of the first. Y'all were. Okay. So um, anyway, so yeah, we did kind of come in hot, but we have another sponsor. Sponsor. We have Innovative Construction Services. They are a Texas-owned family business providing roofing and various construction needs in the DFW area and beyond. So ICS provides service with quality and integrity to each and every customer, knowing it's about so much more than business. Hmm. Owners Levi and Olivia have been watching God grow this company over the years and are excited knowing the best is yet to come. Ooh, I like this. (laughs) Olivia, are you with us this morning? Because if you're with us, please give us a hello. Give us a wave in the comments. And I really like your inter- your little little thing your blurb. Here. Yeah, your little blurb. Give them a call as they'd love the opportunity to serve you with any roofing and construction needs and their contact information. They have email. I don't know if it's on there. No. Okay. Info at InnovativeSVC.com. Info at InnovativeSVC.com. Like their website. Okay. All right. So maybe Liz, Liz is over there t- typing. Maybe she'll put that in the... That was my hint. Did you see that? Yeah. Maybe Liz will put that in the comments. Go ahead. And their phone number um, right there on the logo, 817-672-5272. Give them a call. 
Awesome. Okay. So uh, very excited to have some sponsors this morning. Again, always room for more sponsorship. If somebody's interested in sponsoring a show, if you're interested in being a sponsor, a uh, regular sponsor, um, both of these, uh, the, both of these companies have committed to multiple shows, which is great. Uh, I believe innovative has committed to um, just really being our sponsor through the rest of the year, but oh, there's nice. always room for multiple sponsors. Sure. Um, so, you know, I, I tell people all the time, unashamedly and unapologetically, um, we try and put as much free information as we can out there to get people empowered and equipped. But just because it's free to you does mm. not mean it's free for me to mm. produce it. So that's why we need sponsors. Um, so we have a producer in here that we pay. We have space here that we rent. Um, of course, then there's hosting all of these things on my website, uh, the podcast production, all of that costs money. So um, thank you to our sponsors. And yes. if y'all are watching us, if you would give our sponsors a shout out, tell them thank you, um, because it's because of them that we're able to come and bring you part two to how to parent with the Holy Spirit. Exactly. So uh, let's recap of okay. some of the highlights from last week um, of some of the things that I, I feel like I was able to share that I feel like are important when we're understanding parenting with the Holy Spirit. And, and the biggest thing for me is in every situation, we always want to ask ourselves, how can I discipline the behavior, the attitude, the outside, what we're seeing, um, but also combine that with discipling the soul and ministering or pastoring the spirit of our child. Um, I believe I even said that, like, if you are just focused on your child's behavior and you're just, mm -hmm. and this doesn't matter what age they are. I think sometimes we think, well, we're going to wait till they're, you know, teenagers to have a conversation with them. And I'm not talking about necessarily engaging in this huge conversation with a two-year-old. But there are ways to disciple the soul and pastor the spirit of a two-year-old that are just as important as that immediate discipline mm -hmm. that often we, you know, and sometimes our immediate discipline isn't the best with the, you know, we have the yank and spank. And right. The frustrated. Yeah. The frustrated. Point. I don't know what to do with you. All these things. Um, so if you guys are listening this morning, do you, what do you recall from last week? Um, I recall, <laughs> I recall my own revelation as you were speaking <laughs> um, about how we are, um, I can't even think of the word I used, but oh, modeling the Holy Spirit okay. in a child's life. Yeah. And yeah. the things, so for me, it's like, okay, the things that the Holy Spirit would say to me, okay, that's how, and the process he would take me through, okay, that's the process I need to that's guide good. my child through. That's good. So, yeah. so has there been some practical moments? I'm really putting you on the spot, like oh, some practical <laughs> moments this week where you were like, okay, how would God handle me right now in this moment? Um, well, I know one thing is um, my twins were at each other. Um, all day long and they just nitpicking each other all day long. So when they went to bed that night, I was like, okay, we're just going to take a moment. And I want each of you to just pray for a few minutes silently about if Jesus were standing in this room, what would he say about the other one? And Ooh, so I like that. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Austin's like, do we have to keep praying? And I was like, she's like, I got something. <laughs> I like, and it was just fun to see them after nitpicking all day long to see them say something constructive and nice yeah. to each other. Here's the thing I love about that. First of all, good for you. Well done. Um, and here's the thing I love about that is I think a lot of times, again, we try to, and we do this with ourselves. We try to address and adjust, um, behavior from the outward. Just all we do is try and adjust the behavior instead of really focusing on how do I transform my thinking, my feeling, my core belief in this area, right? So, um, 
so then I'm intrinsically motivated instead of just looking mm-hmm. for the external motivation because external motivation, like if, if you have spanked your kids or whatever, and I'm, I'm, I'm not against spanking, let me just say that. <laughs> um, but if you had just, all you had done was address the behavior, you maybe might've caused a shift for about an hour, Yeah, you know? Um, so I'm curious to know if you feel like you notice a difference then, um, in their behavior and again, that's kind of fast because a lot of times uh, we talked about like the perseverance and that discipleship mm-hmm. that requires just a continuum of, you know, really pressing into that. And as parents, we're tired. It takes a yeah. lot of work. Yeah. But I'm curious to know if you notice any difference. Um, well, they went to bed. So <laughs> <laughs> mama's tired. Maybe there was a difference in their, um, their night that night. I'm not sure. Um, but I think, I mean, they're not typically like that. So it's it's kind of hard to say, but I think it's something I will definitely do more often. Yeah. Um, yeah. and kind of make it a practice. Yeah. Being a little more creative. Yeah. And did you feel like you were less frustrated with that approach? Oh yeah. Cause it was fun for me. Uh, so tell me <laughs> why like, it was fun for you. Something fun. Um, because I love the Holy spirit. I love to see the way they're working through my kids. So I was like, okay, Lord, I want to see what what you're, you can do and really what you're going to do with them. And, um, so did both of them come up with something? They both did. And I was surprised at the outcome. I was surprised at the one I thought would be a little bit more spiritual and stuff. It was the opposite way. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It was the other way around. You know, the beautiful thing about that too, is at that point you're allowing the Holy spirit to parent them, mm-hmm. you know, and it, cause it kind of takes the pressure off you as a mom. Like, you know what, God, if you mess this up, it's not my fault. <laughs> This is on you to fix this, right? Yes. So we have a couple of people joining us this morning. Gina Shafron is with us. Hey, Sharon Watch is with, is with us. Tammy Rush is with us. Not that I like her any more than anybody else. Where did my <laughs> deal go here? Um, hang on. Okay. And uh, let's see. Um, Amy Sanger is with us this morning. Tammy Murphy is with us this morning. Tammy one and Tammy two. We got all um, the Tammies. Bo- all the Tammies. All the Tammies in the house. <laughs> Uh, Travis Getsky is with us this morning. If you are joining us, if you're watching live, if you would give us a hello in the comments, we would love to um, address you and say good morning to you. So we have a, I know we had one question from last week. Yep, we had a. From Amy Sanger, correct? Cliffhanger, yes we did. A cliffhanger. (laughs) So Amy Sanger said, how about when a teen is struggling breaking up a friendship? Someone they know isn't good to be friends with, but they are always around, so they keep going back. Mm, that's a good question. So we're talking about friendships and how do we teach and train our kids um, how to pursue healthy friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that goes back to, you know, my book, To Love and to Be Loved, Establishing Healthy Relationships. One of the first things I would do is I would have a conversation with my kiddo, and especially at a teen level, and asking them, what, how would you define a healthy relationship? And what are you looking for in a relationship? So, And then I would press specifically into that relationship and saying, do you w- tell me what you what you feel like are the healthy not what you like mm-hmm. but what are the healthiest parts of this relationship and what would you define as unhealthy and then of course we want to invite God into that conversation and say if God and, and one of the things I like to say Amy I appreciate your questions one of the th- one of the things I like to say is every relationship is either an asset or a liability mm-hmm. to who you're becoming um, and so I try and tell my kids, you know, on a scale of one to 10, one meaning I don't want to be friends with them at all. 10 meaning we're besties mm-hmm. and I'm engaging with them. And then there's all that space in between where it's like, you know, I, I'm going to love them. I'm going to, well, all of them we're going to love. I'm going to love them and I'm going to have conversation with them. But the relationship is really more about what I'm bringing to it versus what I'm getting out of it. 
Um, and so we call those relationships in our house assignments. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I would really have a, a DTR conversation with my child and say, let's define this relationship. Um, but first of all, let's define relationships. What yes. would you say is a healthy relationship? Then going specifically and applying what we've discussed to this relationship and saying on a scale of one to 10, do you think this relationship is simply, is, is A, is it a relationship that you feel like God has brought into your life? And if so, what do you feel is your role? What is the purpose? Um, and so there are some people that I don't enjoy a whole lot and I don't really consider them uh, the healthiest people to be around, but 100% I feel like God has said, I want you to engage with this person. They're an, ins- an assignment. I want you to love on this person. I want you to be there for this person. Um, but it's different because I'm not, I'm not going into the relationship with any expectation. I have already decided this relationship isn't about me receiving anything, getting right. anything back. Uh, therefore, it is, uh, it is an asset in my life because it is about me and God. Mm-hmm. It's not about me and that person, um, which ultimately is every relationship. Even my relationship with my husband is really about me and God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just a perk that he is also an asset to my life, right? Yeah. Um, so that's how I would define that relation. I would I would have the conversation and say and define the relation. Read the question for me again. I want to make sure I answered it. Okay. How about when a teen is struggling breaking up a friendship? Someone they don't they know isn't good to be friends with, but they are always around, so they keep going back. Okay. Yeah. So the person's always around. And so it's become easy. It's become comfortable. I would also have that conversation with my child and saying, you know, sometimes when we are trying to shift into a different lane or God is taking us down a new path or we're coming into a new season, um, relationships will keep us stuck. And it's important again to say, Hey, I love this relationship and this person's always around. Um, but I also am and giving them some practical ways to, um, address those specific moments. So when this, and honestly with my kids, I let them use me as an out. You Mm. can say, Hey, my mom said, no, that's okay. Um, but really just having that conversation and asking, because a lot of times in those situations, your child is like, well, I feel stuck. I feel trapped Mm. in this relationship. Um, and that's never healthy. And so again, having that conversation and saying, well, God says, um, that we're designed to walk in the freedom of the Lord, that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So let's talk about do you feel like you're free in this, in that moment? Or do you feel like you're free with this person? And really, again, it goes back to asking, especially on a teenager level, asking them really good questions to help them self-discover. What do I really want? More importantly, what does God want for me in this relationship? Mm -hmm. So uh, (laughs) we both have this, (laughs) you're like, Um, Amy says asset or liability. Yes. This is great advice for adults. It is great advice for adults. And I I think about like, um, so I think about like Jesus, when he went into the garden of Gethsemane and he took us the tightest of the three and the, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the three, the ones that were the closest to him. And he said, you know, watch and pray with me. Mm -hmm. There was an invitation there to, um, help come alongside and support him in his greatest hour of need. And of course we read in scripture that they fell asleep. Yeah. Not just once, not just twice, but three (laughs) times. (laughs) And I, I really feel like, but it's almost like it was inconsequential to Jesus. He was just kind of like, eh, you know what? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's okay, you guys. Come on. I'll still call you my own. I'll still call you disciples. Yeah. And at that moment, you kind of see that there was an opportunity there for them to be there for Jesus and to support him. But when there was a loss of 
what I would call rejection. Like there's a rejection there. Sure. Like you, you told, I was in my greatest hour of need and you didn't even call me. Mm-hmm. You didn't even, you know. And how many times have we felt that? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Just the eyes, you know? And so that, that's when I say to myself and I tell my kids, look, you don't always have to have a friend to be a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we learn from Jesus in that moment, what it looks like to be a friend and not be so concerned with having friends. Mm. Um, and, and, and those are those times where I, I think Jesus probably in his mind was like, oh, that's right. You guys are just my assignment. You mm-hmm. know, you're not really my friends. Right. Um, and so it's not really about you being here for me. This is about me being here for you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that sounds kind of sad, but there's a lot of freedom in that as well. And I'm not saying that God doesn't bring those people where it is kind of that two-way street. Right. Um, but most of my relationships I have learned where I'm just like, I find such a joy in being here for people. And, um, if I get the perk that there are moments where I receive something back, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, if I feel rejection or disappointment, that's when I know, Ooh, I've kind of shifted to a place where I'm like, this relationship has been more, become more about what I get out of it than what I'm bringing to it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the more the God promotes you, the more, assignments you're going to have like that instead of people coming people are no longer coming along beside you they're coming right beneath you right and sometimes you know of course you know we're not here talking about relationships but I'll go I'll go (laughs) I'll go there you know sometimes too you also have people that just come alongside you because of what they can get out of you Mm -hmm. or because what they have they stand to gain for it and um and you can I mean y'all I can see that yeah yeah. (laughs) I mean I can see when somebody's doing that but again, I have to kind of not be bothered by that and be like, okay, that, that that's the highest form of flattery, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and just be like, okay, it's not a big deal. I can still love this person and be able to see past that. Um, but again, I digress from that. Amy <laughs> says, yes, feeling stuck in the relationship is a hard place to is a hard place to advise them on. That's great advice. Okay, so Crystal mm-hmm. Anderson, she's at, she's. Uh, tagging people. Amy's tagging people. So we had a conversation. Let's, let's go, let's shift to the opposite end. Or is there another question? I'm I'm looking at the the text I'm getting from Liz. (laughs) Okay. Dana Foster says, hi on crazy eights page. Okay. She's on crazy. Um, So we're not watching crazy eight page, which is fine if you are on crazy eight page, but we are on different pages. So we have, we have a team in the room. Yeah. Keeping an eye. Go ahead. Hi to Crystal Lee on the local legends lab page. Okay. Crystal Lee. And um, let's see, a crazy eight post from Dana. My two oldest argues with everything, even things that don't matter. I feel like I don't even know how to address it anymore because it doesn't stop. They argue with ev- with everything with each other. Is that she's saying with each I'm other? Assuming. Okay, or, or argue everything. My two oldest argues with everything. Okay. Even things that don't matter. Okay. I'm. Uh, well. Well. Let's. <laughs> so again, what we're what we want to look at in the in that situation is we want to look at the heart of the matter, like what's going on in the heart. And so if we say, okay, there's a, a, a spirit of argue of arguing, which is the opposite of a peacemaking spirit. Um, so I would go back and and again, what we don't want to do is we don't want to throw scripture in our kids' face. We want to be like, God says you're supposed yeah. to be a peacemaker, right? Um, but what we do want to what we do want to do is we want to kind of point out or. Um, have our child have an understanding of God's character, especially at that age, because I know the ages of her kids. At that age, being able to say, you know, I've noticed a lot lately that it feels like there's a lot of dissension, not with uh, among you, but within each of you. Mm. And so when there's dissension, I, I, did you notice how we both just kind of, yeah. we noticed that Liz was getting ready to take a picture and we both just like... <laughs> 
Um, but what we, when we're looking at that dissension among the brethren is what scripture would call that, uh, whether it's between the two of them or just within them as individuals. And really that's what needs to bother you because what you're seeing outwardly is a, an extension of what's going on inwardly. And so again, so we, to address the behaviors to say, Hey, I'm really bothered right now. You guys are arguing way too much. And so I'm going to separate you. You do whatever discipline you have to do, but that should only be one third of how you handle that situation going on and saying, what I'm really concerned about is it just feels like there's a lot of angst and dissension inside of you. I would mm. have this conversation with each one of them individually. I've noticed that there's a lot of things you're arguing about. There's just a genuine lack of peace. You're not okay. When I ask you to do this, you're not okay. When your sister changes the channel, you're not okay. And it just feels like in general that there's just a lot of unhappiness and lack of peace inside of you and I'd like to have that conversation and then and again instead of saying God says you're supposed to be a peacemaker I would say do you feel like what you're experiencing inside that pours out on the outside is God's best for you Mm -hmm. so we want them to we want to stir up a desire to be who they're designed to be, which is a peacemaker. That's a different approach than saying, God says, we're supposed to, blessed are the peacemakers. You're supposed to be making peace. He's our, you know, and start throwing scripture at. What we want to do is we want to stir up a desire in them and saying, what do you feel like is God's best for you? When you're having those moments, what's happening inside of you? Forget the behavior, forget what I'm seeing. What's going on inside in your heart and your mind in those moments? Mm. And that's what I'd like to have a conversation about. And do you feel like in those moments that's God's best for you? Or do you think there's something better he has in mind for you? Do you think that God wants you to live the rest of your life basically in dissension with everything around you? Um, And so that's how I would have that conversation. Then I would attack it. So we're kind of talking about the soul. We're going beyond the behavior. We're talking about what's happening in the heart and the mind. And then if I say, well, I want to pastor that spirit, I want to say, hey, I'd love to commit to praying with you just about really understanding the character and the attribute of peace. And so that can go even farther in saying, you know, when Jesus was wronged, when he, um, when somebody was offensive to him, how did he respond to these things? Mm. Um, uh, a lot of times when we have the argumentative spirit, it's because we have some kind of a righteous going on inside of us. Not a good, not the good kind of righteousness, yeah. right? <laughs> the entitlement. Self-righteousness. Yeah. Self-righteousness. <clears throat> So again, what we don't want to do is be like, you're just a self-righteous little snot. I mean, don't speak that over your kids. Mm. Do not mm-hmm. speak that over your kids. You want to say the opposite. I'm sad because I feel as though I'm seeing a lot of frustration within you in moments when you're not getting what you think you want or what you think you deserve. Mm. Okay, so now I'm really going after it. So I'm not going, you're selfish, you yelling, you, whenever you don't get what you want, blah, 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 you know, and I'm frustrated and I'm angry. And now I'm just accusing my child and I'm putting them in a corner. And when you do that to a teenager, guess what they're going to do? They're either going to come out fighting or they're going to recluse and disconnect from you. Yeah. Um, And neither one of those are healthy. And so, again, I want to really address. So anytime this is a perfect example of, hey, we don't want to just look at the behavior. What's going on in your child's heart and mind that is causing the behavior? The behavior is just the fruit of something going on in the inside. Once you identify what you think is going on on the inside, then you ask yourself, how is this different from how, who God has designed them to be. And that's the conversation you want to have with your child. Mm. Then I'm going to couple that with pastoring the spirit and saying, I'd love to come alongside you and really just start praying 
um, that God would just bring you a peace inside of you. And that in those moments, can we have that conversation? Like when I see those moments and say, Hey, I'm, I'm starting to sense that dissension again. I've noticed there's been a couple of, uh, tense moments between you and your sister, tense moments between you and I, I'd like to back up. I'd like to take a breath. And again, I'd like to talk about what's causing all this in your heart. And then I'd like to pray with you. Mm. That's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, any other questions? That was a good yeah. question, Dana. Now she's on LLC. She's shifted. She's uh, gone from, from one to the other. We've uh, got we've got a question from Crystal Lee on the local legends. All right, Crystal Lee, let's go. Any advice to get my oldest to understand and have responsibilities at almost ten? I am OCD, so I just feel as an as an almost ten year old, she should have responsibilities and take over some chores. Okay, so I love Crystal Lee has has admitted that she has OCD. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so let let's let's say this that OCD, of course, is a worldly term, uh, for what the Bible would probably call the Bible doesn't call you this, but we would call that kind of a controlling person, mm-hmm. somebody who likes to be in control. Um, at the root of OCD is really just fear and anxiety. Um, and an unwillingness to, uh, uh, I say unwillingness, sometimes it's an inability. Like I really am challenged in letting things go. It makes me feel angst. It makes me feel anxiety. It makes me feel like I'm losing control. Um, so I do think it's fair, Crystal Lee, that you, I love that you have admitted this and have recognized that this could potentially mean I have unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. for a 10 year old. Um, so one of the things I would say for a 10 year old, when you're starting, starting to introduce responsibilities is you introduce them one at a time. Okay. As I'm introducing them, I'm not going to just tell them this is now your chore, get it done. That's not how we disciple mm-hmm. our children. We say, Hey, mom is looking at a list. If she's 10, I would probably kind of invite her in on the process because again, we want it to be fun. I really want you to feel a part of this family and have some of the responsibilities. You are necessary. You are needed. There is purpose for you in this family. And I'd love for you to come alongside of me in some of the household responsibilities. So here are five things that I've listed. And I'd love for you to pick one, maybe two, that you feel like you would love doing to serve Mm. in this family. Okay, so now I'm bringing them a part of this. Now it's them making the decision for themselves, right? So... And, and I've, I've not, I've not manipulated them. I really have taken a look at, I'm trying to teach them that there's a joy in serving, that this isn't a, you're in the chair, pa, 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 you know, and, and again, now I hate chores and they don't recognize that the attribute behind doing chores is two things, stewardship and service. Mm. Okay. So now I'm teaching, not just, it's not, it can't be about the chores. It has to be about teaching our children how to be a good steward of what God has given to us and the joy that we find in serving. So once I have allowed them to pick one or two things, then I'm going to say, okay, well, let's do that for several times, several times together. Because of course, how a 10 year old is going to make a bed is going to be different than particularly an OCD. Mm -hmm. Honestly, Crystal, the way you make a bed is probably different. You probably make your bed. I don't make it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but again, please recognize that if you know, Hey, I struggle with OCD, know and be okay with admitting this means my standards are probably too high that, or more high. Let me just say more high, higher than anybody else around me. Um, and that includes adults, much less a 10 year old. Right. Um, so you want to then come alongside them, make it fun. Uh, look, God doesn't need us to come into his work, but he, there's an invitation there because of the relational aspect 
that we get. So when I'm gardening and I invite my kids in to do gardening with me, I mean, they're going to make a mess. They make it more tedious that sometimes they mess things up and I can't be mad at them because then I've missed the purpose behind the invitation. Um, and so you have to make the invitation, the purpose behind the invitation and the desire for your child to do some chores can't be about the actually getting the chore done. It has to be about teaching them the stewardship and the service and the relational component of, hey, you get to come alongside mom and helping me be a good steward of this house. Um, you're needed, you're necessary. Um, and so again, we're kind of shifting from our gears here. So that means when your child doesn't do the chore or they don't do it the way you want it to be done, um, that you don't actually address the chore as the issue. Mm. You go back to the original conversation and say, hey, let's go back to this conversation that we had in regard to chores. Um, and this, these were the chores that you picked. These are the way we did it together. So when we're doing it together, I'm kind of showing them, this is my expectation. This is the standard that I have. Do you feel like that's, that you can accomplish it that way? Do you feel like that's something you can do? Let me give you an example. Uh, we have uh, a lot of boxes cause I'm an am I don't ever go to a store. Right. So everything is delivered to my house, which mm-hmm. means we always have tons of boxes in our garage. And so every two or three weeks they need to be broken down and they need to be put in the garbage, yada, yada. So my 13 year old said, and, and he, it is his job to take out the garbage, but the boxes sometimes are a little difficult for him to do. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. and to fold them up and everything else. So usually about every two or three weeks, I just go out there and him and I will kind of tackle them together. It's kind of how we've done it for the last six or seven months. Well, last night I was like, he, he wanted something on, he was like, can I get this blah, this game, blah, blah, blah. And I said, how much is it? 15, $16. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what, I would love to bless you with that game. Um, but I would also love for you to give you the opportunity to earn that as mm-hmm. a reward. And so our, automatically he's like, okay. And I said, look, I've had a really busy week. Tomorrow the garbage goes out. You always take the garbage out, but the boxes are kind of piling up. I'm not going to get to them. I'd love to give you the opportunity to help me out and to serve in that manner. And so there was kind of this push mm-hmm. and pull here of really kind of gearing him. He's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, okay. So then I, I went back to, I said, now remember when you and I have done them together, you know, how we've kind of broken them down so that they're flat and then you want to slide them in this way as opposed to just throwing them on top, you right. know what I mean, yeah. this way. If you slide them in this way, you'll be able to, he's like, yo, okay, yeah, yeah, mom, I got, I got it, I got it. And I said, okay, when you're finished, can we agree that I'm going to come and see the job that you've done first? And if there are some things that need to be shifted or different, different ways that I want it to be done, are, are you going to be okay with receiving some instruction before I buy this game for you <laughs> because I was like it's, it's possible he's not going to do it the way I want it done and so I went ahead and just kind of addressed that from the front end although he did get it done on the first try nice the, yeah he he got more in there probably than I would have gotten in there and I was like <laughs> he wanted that you, game. he wanted that game um, but the point is is there was a discipleship opportunity there and then when he was done I was like look I want you to know like I would have I would have probably given you this game, but I really appreciate that was super helpful to me. And you know what he said to me? Hmm. I would have done it without the game. And so, so the point was, is it was an opportunity for me to connect with him relationally. And he enjoyed the emotional connection and the, Mm-hmm. intellectual and the, the conversation, all that he enjoyed that so much that he decided it was no longer about the game either, yeah. that he would have done it without the game. That needs to be our goal in every interaction that we have with our kids. This is always, but, and I, and I get it. Y'all I've had six kids where you're like, Oh my gosh, I don't want to have this conversation one more time. <laughs> or I just don't want to have to explain myself. or I don't want to have to blah, 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 but don't miss out on an opportunity. God does He gets tired of explaining stuff to us too. Every mm-hmm. time, every time, every time, Lisa, every time, Lisa, I got to convince you. I got to, you know, but 
I think that God is is tickled at us sometimes. It's like, <laughs> silly girl. Okay, <laughs> we'll have this conversation one more time because I love having conversation with you, Lisa. Mm, yeah. And we need to love having conversations with our kids. We need to love having conversations with our kids. So that was a really long answer, Crystal Lee. I hope that <laughs> helped you out. <laughs> I hope that helped you out, Crystal Lee. Uh, but thank you for your answer. Um, and that's super helpful. All right. We got any more questions here? I see uh, Dana is uh, sh- Dana Foster says she is arguing about anything. It's my second oldest things that don't need to be argued. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I'm going to say that things that don't need to be argued in your eyes. So again, when we're arguing something, there's some kind of a core belief that's going on there. So if you really ask yourself, what is the value? Why is this thing that she's arguing about? Remember, her emotion is connected to a core value, something that's important to her. So just because it's not important to you doesn't mean it's not important to her. So you're saying these are things that don't need to be argued about. But she would probably say, but this is important to me. Mm -hmm. And it may seem ridiculous to you because they're a teenager. Probably really. I mean, I validate you, Dana. But you cannot have that mentality with your teenager because if it's it doesn't matter what I mean, my shoes are too tight can be important. I just feel frustrated because my shoes are too, mm. whatever it is. Or I remember one time having a conversation with them. I'm like, I know this seems ridiculous, but it drives me crazy when you leave this book out and open right here. I don't know the, like the, the drawers right here and you get the, it was a phone book like years ago. Oh. He would get the phone, but like open up the drawer, leave it up open. And it drove me crazy. And, and so I just acknowledged, I was like, I, I know this seems like a ridiculous standard. Um, and I seem in, but for whatever reason, I just, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't fold it, put it back in the drawer instead of leaving it all. I mean, the drawer's still open. You know what I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make any sense to me, but, um, again, just having that healthy conversation and being willing to admit. So Dana, I think it's fair for you to say to her, this does the, some of the things that you're arguing about don't feel like, or seem to me like they would be that big of a deal or worth arguing over, but obviously they are to you. Help me understand your heart. So be willing to be taught by your child what is happening in your in your heart right now that is so important that's worth standing for. Because you could be squelching some really good values there that maybe are coming out in unhealthy ways, but you want to go past that behavior into the soul and disciple the soul and pastor the spirit there. Does that make sense yes. to you? Yeah, that does make sense. Okay. Um, I've got a question that Erica Bevel sent me last night. All right. Keeping it bevel with the level or keeping no. it level. Sorry. <laughs> keeping it level with the bevels. Okay. She said, my littles are three and 10 months. My question is best way to navigate through showing attention to both. Three-year-old has been having meltdowns and reverting back to saying mama, dada, like a baby while throwing a tantrum. Mm-hmm. This week has been better, but would love to hear more on this. He's potty trained and even reverted back to having accidents earlier this week. Corrected this week, but I'm sh- sure more to come and want to know how best to handle it. Tips. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. So I love this question. I love dealing with littles. I used to, people don't know this, but I used to years ago when I was in Illinois, I used to actually go into homes and spend a day with moms and just Mm -hmm. help them discipline their kids when they were little. So I love this question, super practical. And let's be honest, we still see this behavior in teenagers sometimes too, where they do unruly things to try and get attention that they're Mm -hmm. wanting and needing. Um, So at the root of that is, uh, so when we're looking at the older ones, I I believe his name is Carson. Is the older one, is that right, Erica? No, Um, I think that's her husband's name. No, that's her husband's name. You're right. Sorry, Carson. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, so number one, we'll call them number one and number two. Let's say like number one, uh, at the root of that is number one is feeling insecure. 
Um, they're feeling a little bit rejected. Um, and so there's an opportunity here for you to teach them about real life. So one of the things is, is to be pointing out to them that when you are spending undivided attention to them by saying like, mommy loves to spend undivided attention to you, mm -hmm. um, just like God loves to spend undivided attention with you. And I would start inserting God into that situation because what we want is we want him to find his reward in the Lord's attention, even when mommy isn't, isn't giving him attention. So as you're giving him attention, point out that you're paying attention to him, that you love spending time with him, but also say, you know who else is hanging out with us right now? God is. God mm -hmm. is spending time with you. I love spending time with God. God loves to be with you. God is playing with us, you know, and bring God into that situation. So when you are then saying, okay, now it's number two's turn. And so instead of kind of trying to slyly get your child, because sometimes we try and be sly, well, they're entertained now, so I'm going to go over here right. and, try and not have to try and, and just say, when we're done here, mommy's going to spend 10 or 15 minutes with you and God's going to play with us, whatever. And when we're done, then I'm going to go and spend time with number two, but God's going to stay here with mm -hmm. you. Okay. So then when they're pitching that fit, just say, I, uh, and, and then I, w so before you go to that place, I would let them know, uh, when it's time for me to go play with so-and-so, what's the best appropriate response? I want you to be like, I'm going to say, okay, your time is, is done right now with mommy. Mommy's going to go spend time with this one. Okay. So you're teaching them how to be okay with that. And mommy's going to love you from over here, just the same as mommy loves you from here. So now I'm teaching them the appropriate response. So a lot of times in a situation like that, what happens is, is number one's having a meltdown. We go over, we either discipline them or we coddle them. Mm -hmm. And neither one of those responses are the best. Um, instead of saying, I'm going to teach you the appropriate response when I'm spending time with number two. And you can be, and you need to be, and you're going to be happy and cheerful and excited for number two. Because again, now we're talking about jealousy, right. dealing with that jealousy issue. Um, and jealousy at the root of the je jealousy issue is I'm not content with who I am, where I'm at. I feel inferior, that fear and that rejection, all of those things. So, um, no, we're not going to do that. This is how we're going to respond. So I would teach the child how you want them to be able to, to respond when you're spending time with number two. I feel like I'm talking about potty talk, number, <laughs> number one, one and, and number, number two. two. Um, and so again, okay, now it's only two minutes. I'm going to go spend time with them. Remember how you're going to respond. Yay, I'm so excited for you to spend time with my brother or my sister or whatever it is. And so you're kind of teaching them the appropriate response. So we're not just disciplining the bad behavior or wanting to get rid of bad behavior. We're actually pouring in the appropriate behavior that we're looking for. You get to be happy. You get to be, because just like God can love you, can love you and love me at the same time. Mommy can love both of you at the mm -hmm. same time. So uh, really teaching him um, a, the having, again, having the conversation. Sometimes mommy's going to spend time with you. And sometimes mommy's going to spend time with number two. And that's okay. But what's not okay is when you're sad that number two doesn't get to have time with mommy. Mm -hmm. That's not okay. And I'm sad for you that you can't be happy. You can't celebrate my relationship with this person. Mm -hmm. Come on. A lot of us are like that as adults. We yeah, can't celebrate. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. We can't celebrate other people's response. And so going back to the attribute of God and saying like, you have nothing to fear. You get to celebrate. And so I would teach him what that looks like at three years old. 
Yay, we're done. Now let's clap because mommy's going to spend time with number two. And so we're teaching them like that we get to celebrate that mommy can spend time with multiple, multiple. Did you hear that word, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Erica? More than two um, kids at the same time. So I hope that answered a question. Okay, good. Yeah, um, I hear there's a question from Peggy on the LLC page. Okay, my five-year-old grandson constantly talks back. Nothing that I've done has changed him. What can I do? Okay, so the first question there is what kind of authority do you have in the child's life? Because it's a grandson. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have the authority to um, disciple and discipline um, or if that's something that you just feel like you need to do because mom's not doing. And so the first thing I would do is I'd have a conversation with the parent um, because the parent carries the mantle. Uh, for the child, not the grandparent, unless of course the ch- the parent has given uh, that up. So let's let's address it more from a generic perspective. A five year old is talking back. Um, so, but what I would say, Peggy, is this is a conversation you need to have with the daughter. Um, and it, it, when I will address it, let's say the daughter, the 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 parent, whatever the the mom. I don't know if it's a daughter, or whatever. If the mom says no, I don't want you disciplining my child. I don't want you to. I think it's fair for you, Peggy, then to say. Uh, when your five-year-old talks back to you and you're trying to get him to do something, to just lovingly say, it's not okay when you talk to me like that. So I'm going to go over here and almost kind of uh, be dismissive of the behavior um, because you don't have, you haven't been given the permission to really discipline or disciple the behavior. You can kind of, you can still disciple and pastor and saying, oh, it it makes grandma sad when you respond that way because I think you uh, you have the potential to be a sweet, obedient little boy. So when you're ready to be obedient and have a conversation that's sweet with me, let me know. Otherwise, I'm going to be over here reading a book, Mm. you know. Mm -hmm. And if it's something in your house and you need it done and mom hasn't given, then you go to the parent. If the parent hasn't given you authority and you say, look, this kiddo, I've asked them to do this. This is my house. If you are not going to discipline the child to be able to do that and you're going, then I'm going to need you to leave my house. That that gets there. It gets a little bit. Uh, it gets a little bit sticky because yeah. again, there's boundaries. Um, but that's your home, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I don't have a grandchild, but I think that there will be times we do have grand dogs where I'm like, look, if your dog <laughs> can't stop peeing on my furniture, you're going to have to put them in a kennel, you mm-hmm. know, and you don't want to discipline them. I understand that, but we need to put the dog outside then. Mm-hmm. Cause this is now my house and I don't want to discipline your dog. I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but it's a good example. That's the only example I have because we don't have any <laughs> grandchildren. If any of my mm, children are listening, a it's a little salty about that. About that. <laughs> Um, but for a parent, if your child is con, first of all, as a five-year-old talking back, uh, you have trained your child, you have given them that free. So you've given your child the margin in that moment. So the first thing I would do is I would repent to my child. And I would say, I've noticed that when I give you an instruction that you talk back to me and I feel like I've allowed that. Mm. And God has really convicted me that life isn't really like that. It's not respectable. It's not honoring authority. And one of the best ways that I know to release the blessings of the Lord in your life is to teach you how to honor authority. So the first thing I need to do is I need to apologize that I haven't taught you that well. And we're going to start changing that. We're going to start really recognizing authority. So again, I'm not making it about me. You're not Mm -hmm. disrespecting me. So remember last week we talked about, I can't be personally, I can't believe you talked to me like that. How dare you talk to me like that? No, you can't make it about you. You have to, you have to, in that moment, be like, gosh, I really feel sad that I have not taught you how to recognize and honor authorities, even if they're crappy authorities. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so I'm not talking about abusive authorities. I'm talking about just 
bad authorities, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we have a lot of not good teachers in our school systems. We have a lot of not good coaches in our schools. But, you know, I, I watched my kids get cussed out as sports, sure. you know, from really bad coaches. And they would come and they'd complain and we'd be like, he's your coach. Work harder and you'll get in. Mm. And teaching your kids like, hey, it sucks. But guess what? For the rest of your life, you'll have crappy bosses. You'll have, unless you work for me. <laughs> and then. True. <laughs> Um, but it's a part of life. And if you want to be successful, you're going to have to learn how to respect people because of their position, not because of the person. Mm-hmm. So we respect teaching them how to respect positions, even if the person is not respectable. You know, we hear that all the time. Well, if you'd, you'd act respectable, maybe I'd respect you. And I'm like, mm, I disagree with that. Mm-hmm. I disagree with that. So I, I don't know if I answered that question, but it's a little bit I have him most of the time. I have full authority over him. Yeah, then, so Peggy, you have trained him that way, my <laughs> love. So you need, the first thing I would do is say, look, I'd sit down and have a conversation and say, I feel like a lot of our interactions have become tense. They're more difficult than they need to be. I end up feeling frustrated with you and you're frustrated with me and what's currently happening is not working. So grandma would love to, to work together to change some of our patterns. And the first thing I want to do is I want to apologize that I haven't taught you how to respect and honor, how to respond well to the first time. Then I would set up practice moments. So let's practice what it looks like to be obedient. Kids don't know. If you just mm-hmm. say you need to obey me, they're like, they have no idea what that means. It's like saying make your bed. They don't know what that means. I, don't, I mean, if you can't, if you told me to make your bed, I would be like, how do you yeah, want it made? Right. You know, do you want it folded down? Do you want the pillows on top? Do you want it tucked in all the way around? Do you want it laying over? the? I mean, uh, mean, everybody has a different standard there. So then I would say, okay, so let's practice. And I would take something that I've noticed that at dinner time, you left your, you leave your, uh, often leave your dishes on the table. And when I ask you to pick up your dishes, you talk back to me. So I'd love for us to practice what it looks like to respond respectfully. So let's pretend like we're eating dinner. And I would practice, I would set up some practice opportunities to teach because, because this has been years of training in one direction, you need to recognize and be fair to this five-year-old that it will take some time, energy, and patience and love to retrain the existing pattern. You need to own that. That is Mm -hmm. not your child's fault. Mm -hmm. If your five-year-old is not behaving, it is not your five-year-old's fault. The first thing you need to do is own that. Um, and then set up those practice moments and then praise, praise, praise. I love it. Look how nice the day, but you did awesome. High five. I mean, just, I mean, just really make the reward of obedience better than the reward of disobedience, Mm -hmm. which there is no reward, but even negative stimulus is stimulus. Right. And kids are looking for stimulus, Mm -hmm. right? So they're looking for that attention. That's a good question, Peggy. I hope that answered your question. If not, we can go into detail at work. <laughs> <laughs> Peggy actually works for, at Crazy Eat Ministries, and we love Miss Peggy. Yeah. All right, any other questions that we have online and live? Uh, and I would love to hear back from you guys in regard to um, any topics that you're interested in. Did you have something you wanted to add? You kind of looked at me. Did you have a question? Um, no, I don't have any other that were online. I had a conversation with a group of ladies yesterday and there was just kind of this, okay, with society today with teens and everything and what they're being pulled into with, um, sexuality, you know, being very present, prevalent, um, you know, kind of like when things come against our beliefs and values, how we would address that with the kiddos Mm -hmm. to still be accepting and loving, but stand, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. stand firm in your, 
Yeah, yeah. And so you're talking about like on a teenager level. Yes. Yeah, yeah and, which level. is difficult. Difficult because so I think I think in, in the teenager level, that's kind of when they're what I call like riding on the coattails. Of, so if you remember in the in the book of Revelation when it's talking about um, not the, the church uh, of Laodicea and how he says you're neither hot nor are you cold right. and he's talking about hot springs and cold springs and how Laodicea was in the middle and they would borrow hot springs and cold springs the benefits of the cold water and the benefits of the hot water and so they kind of created their own spring that was underwater and it was stagnant and yada yada well I, I relate that to a borrowed faith or a borrowed belief system. So at some point when your kids become teenagers, they start to recognize that they've been borrowing your belief system Mm. their entire life. And so sometimes they try, they, or they've been borrowing the belief system of their culture, the borrowing the belief system. So they're coming under the discipleship. Everybody's being discipled by something. Mm -hmm. So they're being discipled by the culture. They're being discipled by their parents. And at some point they come to this place where they're like, What do I really believe? So the way I would approach that is, number one, is to say, hey, there's a lot of belief systems out there. Again, I'm not going to be freaked out by, oh, my God, I can't believe you believe in homosexuality. Don't you know? I mean, because that's what their culture is telling them. Oh, yeah. And so have that conversation. And instead of saying, well, the Bible says this and da, 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 and telling them what to. So what happens is we end up arguing what the world is telling them by telling them what we think. Mm -hmm. Instead of asking them really good questions and helping them to self-discover. When I work with uh, teenagers who are like, well, I don't believe in that God stuff. And I'll say, okay, so let's talk about why you don't believe. Well, I don't know. I just don't believe. Okay, so what do you base that that on? Well, I just don't believe. They, they don't know. They right. haven't. Well, because, you know, I learned this or I learned that. Well, and I don't think the Bible is true. Oh, so you've read the Bible? Well, no. So how do you know it's not true? Well, I just don't believe it's not true. So I'm asking questions to try and get them to recognize not what do I believe, but why do I believe it? Mm -hmm. And just saying, well, what if you were wrong? Would you be willing? What if, what if you were wrong? Would you be willing to be wrong? And so I'm asking questions. Would you be willing to be wrong? Would you be willing for that belief to be wrong? And if they're like, no, no, I'm confident, which a lot of teenagers are because they, they think they know everything, right? Well, a lot of adults think they know everything too. Um, And so... If, you know, so I just having that conversation with them as teenagers. And again, I think the, the real answer that to that is don't be freaked out when your teenagers come home and they start saying or communicating things that are different. Recognize that God has designed them with their own opinions. Mm-hmm. And uh, the beautiful thing is, is to say, well, I'd love to talk about why you feel that way. Um, I'd love to give you the freedom to express what you think and how you feel. But I also want us to have a mutual respect here where I also get the freedom to communicate how I think and feel. And while I don't feel like you're trying to convince me, I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to convince you either. Mm. Um, and so I, more than anything, I don't want my child to agree with me. What I want is just to be able to still have a conversation and a relationship. And I want them to be able to feel safe to connect with me, even in places where we disagree. Because remember, the enemy's ultimate goal here is to disconnect us from our children. Mm. And sometimes we allow those sticking points, those disagreements to bring division and, um, and to separate us. And that's what saddens me as a counselor. And so it's better for you to be connected in disagreement to then, to, than to be 
so focused and well, if you go down this path, well, I can't, you can't come in this house, blah, blah, blah. Now, now the enemy has won. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really short answer. Yeah. Um, but I, I think again, if we're honest with ourselves, we get navigated and motivated by fear in those moments. Like, Oh my God, my child doesn't believe in Jesus or my child thinks homosexuality is okay or that abortion's okay or whatever these sticking topics are. And instead of just, of course they do because the culture is doing a better job discipling mm. our children than we are moms and dads. We're letting the church disciple them one day a week for an hour and then the, the schools or whoever is discipling them. And it, you got to be willing to have that conversation and own what's yours um, and give them the freedom and trust the Holy Spirit in their life. Mm-hmm. Nobody can convince a man of truth. Nobody can convince somebody of truth. You cannot convince them of truth. The only thing you can do is continuously exemplify the benefits of truth. If you're living a miserable, crappy life where you bash your husband all the time, that is not attractive to your children. You're not giving them a reason to want to love Jesus. Mm -hmm. If you're depressed, if you're anxious, if you're always sick, if you're always broken, if you're always complaining, if you're always a bitch, I'm just Mm going to say that. Because I can't take it back after I said <laughs> If you're always, come on, let's be honest. We can be pretty sure. bitchy, right? Oh, yeah. And then we wonder why our kids don't want to be, you know, go, to church, with go you. to church with you. Well, I wouldn't want to go to church with you either. And more than that, you haven't given me a reason to, you don't seem mm-hmm. like you live a very happy lifestyle, mom. You're not very joyful. You don't feel very, you don't look very content. You complain about dad the minute he walks out the room. You complain about the laundry. You complain about your job. You complain about your friends. You complain about your mother-in-law. Stop complaining mm-hmm. and come into what you want your kids to come into. Mm-hmm. Lead by example. Get out in front of them and lead them like a shepherd leads his flock. And stop st- hanging from behind and trying to corral your kids to go where you still haven't figured out how to get mm. to. That's good. Anyways. That's, I feel like that's the, <laughs> the culmination. <laughs> Uh, so I think that's it for today. <laughs> I think, yeah, we've gone far. We've gone far we've enough. We've gone far enough. We would love to hear your ideas of topics that you want us to talk about. Leave some ideas. Um, y'all, this is your show. We want you to pay for it. We want you to, <laughs> we want you to give us the Tell topics. Us what to say. Yes. Yeah. So the first Wednesday of every month, 1030, Let's Talk Purpose. We'll see you next month.